Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. You know, yesterday I was at a conference where this nugget was given. This is just incredible, so I want to share it with you. You know, 75% of children, when they are grown, they leave the church. In fact, actually, in some circles, like I believe the Southern Baptist, it's like 80% or something like that. But uh, but 75% of children, they leave the church once they're grown. So the question is, what are the qualities or habits that are in the 25% of children that stay in the church and remain faithful? What, what are these 25%? What, what is the distinguishing mark? Well, here are these five principles. One, they eat dinner at the dinner table five to seven days a week. So I want to encourage you. Invest in your dinner table. Invest in your dinner table. Spend more money on your dinner table than you do on television, than on your television. I, I know that's a radical thing in today's day and age, but I want to encourage you. That's, that's one thing that you really need to invest in. Don't, don't just invest your money in it, though, and then let it get all dusty. Invest your time there. But number two, they serve with their family in a local church in some sort of helps ministry. So the question is, you know, are, are you... First of all, involved in a local church. If you want your child to stay in the church, are you in the local church? And then number two, are you serving in a local church? You know, growing up, I, I think about this, uh, you know, quite often growing up, I I helped my parents. Uh, well, we were at the church at least one, one day a week other than on Sunday or Wednesday uh, just to go and to serve. And I mean, I grew up cleaning the church with my parents. Number three. They had at least one spiritual experience a week at home, something like family devotions. Fathers, are you committing to leading your children and your family in devotions at least once a week? Number four, they were entrusted with responsibility and ministry at a young age. And number five, they had one faith-focused adult who invested in their life other than their parents. So this is an important one here, this number five, because, of course, parents, uh, you know, hopefully you want what's best for your child, and hopefully you're doing what's best for your child, although statistically you're—I you're, I don't mean to be a jerk, but, but, but statistically most people aren't. That's the reality of it, even people who are in the church, so you do need to go in to check yourself. But the other thing that I want to point out is that it does take somebody even outside of the family that needs a church— and somebody in the church to come and to invest in your child's life. So I want to challenge you, if you're an adult, who are you investing in who's outside of your family? Who are you investing in who is outside of your family? Well, today we come to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12 today. And we, we start off, it starts off with a, a hard-hitting truth, but let's go ahead and let's read the entire chapter here, starting in verse 1. And it says this in Proverbs chapter 12, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsel of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. The wicked are overthrown 
and are no more. But the house of the righteous will stand. A man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he who is of a perverse heart will be despised. Better is the one who who is slighted but has a servant than he who honors himself but lacks bread. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the, ten, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He who tills the land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. The wicked covet the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with God, with good by the fruit of his mouth, and recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The truthful lips shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. No grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Anxiety is in the heart of man, uh, causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but Diligence is a man's precious possession. In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. So the first thing I want to start off with is actually verse 1, and it's a really hard-hitting truth, as I mentioned earlier, but the question is, is do you accept correction? Do you accept correction? And this is what verse 1 said. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Now, this is pretty blunt when it comes to a verse, right? I mean, this is really blunt. It's coming out here saying like, look, if you hate correction, you are stupid. That's what, that's what the word of God is saying here. So, so I know it might be early in the morning, may not have had your coffee yet, but, but man, it is time to buckle up and to realize God's word comes. And sometimes it two by fours is right in the face. Sometimes it does that. While correction and instruction may not always be fun, they are needed and they are important. It is needed and it is important in your life to hear correction and instruction. And this is true for everyone in their life. They need to hear correction. They need to hear instruction. We need to hear these things. We need to go and to constantly be looking and taking inventory of our life, hearing what other people are saying and applying it to our life as as necessary. See, someone who cannot take instruction or correction, ultimately, they are prideful, and as this verse points out, they are just plain stupid. That's what it says. They're stupid. 
And and this is a truth that that is difficult sometimes for us to go and to to really grasp and to understand because we don't like correction. Nobody likes being corrected. Nobody likes being instructed in things. We all want to go and to do what we want to go and to do. Ultimately, isn't that true? But we need to understand something. If we can't hear instruction, if we can't take correction, then we have a pride issue in our life, and ultimately we're we're stupid as well. Bible is telling us. But I also want to point out this truth here, and this truth is found in verses 18 and 19, and this is what comes out of your mouth matters. What comes out of your mouth matters. In verses 18 and 19, it says this, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. The truthful lip shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Do your words build others up or do they tear others down? That's the question. Do your words build others up or do they tear others down? Now, this is an interesting and and fascinating question and a fascinating truth, really, when we consider that difficult things sometimes need to be said. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in our world today, there's a lot of wrong things. There's a lot of issues, and a lot of times people need to be confronted. They need to be talked to. That They need to just absolutely have something said to them, and somebody needs to speak up. Well, how in the world can difficult things be said and you be building others up at the same time? That's the question, but, but, but understand something here. God's Word isn't saying, I mean, look, it just said in verse 1, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I mean, that's, that's a difficult thing to say to somebody right there, right? That's a difficult thing to say, and, and, and yet we know that, this is, that that verse is not violating these verses. It is building people up. It is building people up. You see, while difficult things need to be uh, said, wise words always promote health. And, and, and think about it this way. Think of a doctor. You know, they may have to go and to clean out a wound. And when they're cleaning out that wound, it may sting and it may hurt like the dickens. But they also are bringing healing properties when they're doing that. They're bringing healing properties that make it better. And this is how our words should be in difficult situations. They should point out what is wrong, but they should also bring out a solution. It's not just that they're pointing out what's wrong. See, there are a lot of people who go and they just want to point out what's wrong. They want to go and give a harsh, stinging word. And that's it. Just a harsh, stinging word. And that's not biblical. See, a harsh, stinging word isn't good enough. Now, sometimes they may give more than a harsh, stinging word, and people may only remember the harsh, stinging word, but there's nothing necessarily wrong with a harsh, stinging word as long as then there's healing properties that come alongside of it. And and that's the important thing, to go and to point people to the way that leads to life, to the way that leads to healing, to the way that leads to improvement, point them to where the true correction is. It's not just going and saying, hey, you're wrong and you're doing something dumb, but then it's also showing them how to make the way right. And once again, verse 1 is a perfect illustration of this, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. That's the first part of the verse. There's a stinging truth that's coming, but that right there is the healing property. Love instruction. Love instruction. Love correction. 
but he who hates correction is stupid. That's what it says. Love correction. That's the healing property there. The difficult thing was said, but there was a healing property that came in. This, the second verse here, or verse 19, it says this, the, tr- the truthful lip shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. A wor- in a world of lies, dare to speak the truth. In a world of lies, dare to speak the truth. Truthful lips are established forever. They're established. See, so many times people want to be remembered, but they're never going to be remembered because they're just going along with the flow. They're going, they're just absolutely going along with the flow. And that flow is a flow that leads to hell through lies. And so people just go right down that flow and they just keep on going, uh, going with it, the flow. And there we go. In fact, I believe it was G.K. Chesterton who said uh, something to this effect, that any dead thing can go with the flow, but it takes something alive to swim against the current. And we need people to go and to be truth speakers in this world of lies because, you see, a lying tongue, it's just for a moment. It might might seem like it's the popular thing right now, but it's not going to last. The truth eventually will be revealed, so you might as well be on the side of truth now because the truth is what's going to be established and what lasts. The last thing that I want to point out here is in uh, verse 26. And this is so important. This is to choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. See, it says this, The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. You know, your friends make an impact on you. Your friends make an impact on you. And a lot of times we think of this just for children, but it is more than just for kids here. Though, of course, it does apply to children. It does apply to kids. Adults have friends as well. And this proverb is for you too. Who are the friends in your life? Who are those people of influence in your life? Have you chosen them carefully? See, you get to choose who makes uh, the, the impact in your life, especially as an adult. You get to choose who's making an impact in your life, who, who has that, that sphere of influence on you. Are you choosing that carefully? Or are you choosing wicked friends, friends who will lead you astray, who don't point you and encourage you to Christ, but who pull you away from Christ? You know, I could give you example after example after example of people whether they were kids, but even more so as adults who they chose poor friends, they chose poor influences, and though at one point in time they were on the right path, they were on the straight and narrow, they were running towards God, but now they have been led astray by those whom they have let influence them. And they're in great danger. They're in great danger. You need to choose your friends carefully. See, it is doubtful you will rise above your friends, so you need to find friends who will rise with you or pursue Christ with you is a better way to put that. See, find people who are pursuing God and make friends with them. Remember, iron sharpens iron. 
And doesn't that bring us back to that whole idea of accepting correction? When you have good, godly friends, they're going to be instructing you. They're going to be correcting you. You're probably going to be instructing them and correcting them at times too. But when you have good, godly friends, that's going to come and it is going to sharpen you if you love correction or instruction. But if you hate correction, you're going to be stupid and ultimately you're probably going to choose friends who won't step in and tell you when you're wrong who won't correct you, who won't instruct you. And then they're going to lead you astray and you in turn are going to lead others astray. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, but even in darkness we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that war you've been fighting